Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. Tim E, the worst footballer I've ever seen. I'm coming back to England, man, and I'm keeping my titles. I just remember the atmosphere was incredible. I think that was one of the games that I couldn't wait to get out of. That that was a really important moment in winning the bid as well. Yeah, it just puts you on the spot. Like you just kind of done there with me. <laughs> At least you joined in. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. This podcast has been set up by Technowood School and our aim is to teach our students new skills through podcasting. Each week we chat to famous sportsmen and women from around the world. We delve deep into their sporting careers, their highs and lows, and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. All of our students' hard work and dedication has paid off, as we have recently won a Global Sports Podcast Award for the Best Equality in Social Sports Podcast. That's enough from me. I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, which are our students who host the podcast, and I will let them introduce today's guest. Thank you. Technowood School is a school for autistic children and young adults, and we have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity um, to provide our pupils um, with a range of skills uh, from a variety uh, while whilst interviewing top sports men and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a former uh, England cricketer. He has been captain of England and Surrey, as well as taking up boxing and MMA. Welcome to the podcast, Adam Hollyoke. Hi guys, how are you? Good, thanks. Good. Pleasure to meet you. And you? We, we like to start our podcasts with some quick fire questions before we start talk about your career. Are you ready? Yeah, I was born ready. <laughs> Who is the most famous person in your phone book? In my what? My phone book? Yeah. Oof, I Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Bozza. <laughs> If you, if you could trade Lars with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? If I could what? Uh, trade Lars with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Probably, probably Jesus Christ. I think it, I think it'd be. Good. I'd like to be able to turn the water into wine, and I'd like to be able to feed five thousand people with five loaves, and just heal people who have got sickness and you know, heal the blind and, you know, so I think that would be pretty good. I think that would be that'd be a good person to be for a day. They, although after one day, I, I don't think I'd want to give up the superpowers. I'd want to keep the – I want to be able to still help people. Yeah, that, that's a good change. Uh, I just I just want to ask you quickly about when you said about Boris Johnson. Um, what's your, like, communication with him? Like, how's <laughs> things been with you and him? Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't spoken to him for a while. I don't abuse it. I've got the number, but I'm too scared to use it. So um, I don't. I don't really have very many good questions to ask him. So uh, I don't know much about politics. So I usually, like, we just message about cricket. So I haven't messaged him for a while. Hmm. Um, if you could go back to one day in your life, what will it be? Hmm. Day would it be? Wow, that's a good question. Um, that's a really good question. Wow. I've, I've been lucky. I've been had a really lucky life. So I've had so many good days. It's not that I'm struggling to think of one. I've just been fortunate and I've led uh, a blessed life. So I've had a lot of very 
days that I'm very days that I'm grateful for. Um, the day when all of my children were born, they were great days. Um, probably the day that uh, the day that I divorced my wife, that was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, in all seriousness, no. She's she's a she's a good person. I don't I don't mean that. Um, maybe the day that I played my first game for England and me and my brother made our debut together, that was a good day. Um, you were born in Australia in 1971. What are your memories as a child, and what sort of bringing did you have? I can't remember. That's 50 years ago, mate. That's 50. You guys. <laughs> that's so. I can't remember back that far. Um, I remember Ballarat. I was pretty young when I was there. I used to, because um, in Ballarat, there's uh, it's a really country town in Australia. And because of my dark skin, I used to get into a lot of fights at school. I used to get bullied a lot. But um, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure if it's called bullying if you win the fight. So, so I used to get people um, wanting to fight me all the time. And I used to, that's where I learned to fight. So I'm grateful for that as well. <laughs> um, as a child, what is your earliest memories of uh, cricket? Weird. I don't know about you guys, but when I think back to the first thing that I, I'm, they're not. I haven't got a very good memory, um, but I think I remember playing cricket on the driveway of my house with my dad, and I, I remember my dad. My dad's Australian and he's very competitive, and I remember I remember him sledging me. So he was. Um, I was like, oh, wow, this is my dad. Is like trying to like wants to win really badly. So. Mm. <laughs> um, that's probably my, my earliest memory. I don't know how old I was. I reckon I was, I want to say I was like seven or eight or something like that. But I haven't got a very good memory. You moved to England at the age of 12. Why did your family move to England and how did you find moving to a new country as a child? Um, yeah, they moved there when I was 12. But my family, my dad's an engineer, so he'd moved around a lot with his work. So it wasn't a big deal for me. We'd already moved a lot already. So that wasn't the first time we'd moved. Um, so I, um, I found it easy. I found it easy. I, I made a lot of friends over there. Um, and, you know, a lot of my best friends are still over there in England. So I love England. Um, so there's, it was all good. There was nothing bad to report. And um, obviously I got to, while I was there, I got to, play for England so it was uh, an enjoyable time 20 years I had there so it was good fun you then moved to Hong Kong for a few years as a teenager did you enjoy your time there and what are your memories of it um yeah uh, I loved Hong Kong it's a, a really good place it's uh funnily enough they've got a lot of cricket there so people most people don't know that they think that it's they don't realize that there's a big English community out there, the big um, expat community. So uh, I, I really enjoyed my time there. It was um, one of the my fondest memories. So, um, yeah, I'm very fortunate to have gone to all the places I had when I was growing up, but Hong Kong's one of my favourite. You were then offered a contract by Surrey. What was it like joining them and starting your career with them? Yeah, I was... Uh, I don't know. How how old are you guys? I'm 18. Uh, I'm 19. Yeah, so I was. I think I was 17 when they first came down and, and offered me a contract. And I, I, didn't know what, I didn't know what a contract was. 
So I was I wasn't the best at school. I was the bottom of the class for all the lessons. So when they said that someone from Surrey was coming down to see me, I didn't know what for. And then they said, we'd like to offer you a contract. And I was like, what's a contract? So they said, we're going to pay you to play cricket. I was like, that's good because I'm only getting, I think my pocket money was £2.50 a week at the time. So I was I was happy. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. You entered the dressing room at Surrey with some big names such as Alex Stewart, Wakar Yunis, uh, Darren Bicknell, uh, Graham Thorpe and more. What was it like to play with these players? Yeah, well, when you're young, it's intimidating because, you know, these guys are legends. So I was just starting out and these guys were already established. You know, Alex Stewart was already playing for England. And um, so I was just grateful to be in their presence, to be honest. But those guys have now become my, my close friends. They're, they're good friends of mine. And um, it's funny how when you first meet people, you you – you're scared of them or you're nervous of them, but once you get to know them, they, those people can become your friends. So, um, yeah, I'm very fortunate to be able to call those, some of those guys my best friends now. But it was it was scary. It was scary. I'm lucky because I think when I was growing up, I mentioned before that I travelled around a lot. So I'm sort of quite good at, when I meet new people. I'm quite good at making friends. So thankfully all those skills came into play and I made friends with all those guys. Um, so we had a good spelling during the 90s, winning lots of trophies. Um, what are your memories of that time? Um, yeah, it was probably the best years of my life, to be honest. It was makes me smile whenever I, whenever I think about those times. It's we had, you know, imagine being in a team with all your best friends. And then not only that, you guys are doing really well and you're winning all the competitions and life's great. So um, my memories are very fond. Um, those people now, all those guys that I play cricket with, they're my best friends now. So I don't even have to see them for maybe three or four years. And then when we catch up, those guys are still very, very close friends. In 1997, you became the captain of Surrey and went on to win nine, nine trophies. What do you put that success down to? Well, I put the success down to the fact that I had excellent players. Um, you know, we had the, the best batsmen, the best bowlers and the best fielders. Um, and that's what I put it down to. Um, you can't be, you know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate and then in the, a lot of people always pay compliments to me and say it's because of my captaincy, but you can't captain a side without good players. So I'm always conscious and that those guys were the best players and and I was just very lucky when I was to be captain at a time when we had so many good players. Uh, glad to hear it. What sort of captain were you? Well, I think I captained for so long, I think it changed. Um, when I first started, I was I was learning because there were guys in the side who had a lot more experience and a lot more knowledge than me. Um, so I had to learn when I was doing the job. They gave me the job because I was young and I think they thought I would be a captain for a long period of time. So I wasn't the best captain in the side, um, but they, you know, they also picked me because at that time I wasn't in the England team. 
So they wanted, you know, people like Alec and Graham Thorpe, those guys were away with England, so they wanted someone who was going to be around Surrey the whole time. So um, I was fortunate. Um, yeah, I think probably the best thing about my captaincy was um, just just knowing that I had those guys to to, to back me up and, and help me. So, yeah. Uh, you make your England debut against Pakistan. Um, what are your memories of that? Um, yeah, it was it was strange. I was so nervous. Um, just yeah, just very nervous, and I wasn't quite sure what it was about. I didn't even know at that time. I didn't even know England had a game, and then I got called up. I got a call by the England selectors to say I've been picked, and I was like, wow, I didn't even know. So. Uh, and then my memories, uh, I just remember getting a lot of wickets in that series. I don't remember how many or who I got out or anything like that. And um, I just remember going, I love international cricket. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, um, is that England dressing room uh, who, yeah, uh, in that England dressing room, who were your close mates and what was the culture like at the time? Um. It was we. It was a two different changing rooms, really, because that was when we first experienced one day team and the test team. So the two teams were different. Um, the one day side was some of the guys in the one day side were my best friends. Um, I, I didn't get on as well with the guys in the test side, but that might have been because I only played for, and I wasn't as good at test cricket as I was at one day cricket. Um, I don't know, but um, yeah, it's. Um, Get to play for your country is it's great. Um, it's my best friends, so probably in that team would be Darren Goff and Andrew Flintoff. Obviously, the Surrey guys are always anyone from Surrey is those guys aren't even friends; they're family. Those guys. So um, anyone from Surrey who was in the England side was my best friend. But then the, from the other sides, Andrew Flintoff and Darren Goff, I think. Oh, Mark Elam was another one. Mark Elam, who you guys might not know, but. He was a very close friend of mine as well. You played four test matches for England. Do you think you should have played more test matches for England? How are they going, Harvey? They gave you the hardest question. You came in and they just gave you the hardest question, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that, you know, I, I could have played more, but there's two ways of, in life. I think there's two ways of looking at things. Um there's been better players than me who didn't get to play test cricket at all. So, you know, some of the guys, the South Africans throughout that time who weren't allowed to play because of apartheid, there's uh, been other people who have been outstanding cricketers who haven't even got to play test cricket. So I don't look at it as I could have played more. I'm just, I'm just grateful that I played the times that I did. You then so, made your test master debut alongside your brother against Australia in the Ashes. That must have been a very special time for you. Yeah, that was that was great. I mean, you asked me what was you know my favourite day in my life. That would be in the top. If it was not the favourite day, then it's in the top five. So, I mean, the, the birth of my children, they were great days. And, and my test debut was against, you know, the country of my birth with my brother. That, that's their special days as well. That's a very special day. I just want to come in, Adam, and just ask a quick question about that. So, obviously, you're you're born in Australia, playing for England, playing in the Ashes. Did the Australian fans 
take to you or was it just full of abuse? <laughs> they hate me. They hated me then. <laughs> I live here, they hate me so much. It's like, um, I mean, the Australians don't like English players at the beginning, but the only thing they hate more than English players is ones that were originally born in Australia. So um, when I played, when I came back to Australia here, I played in front of, we played 95,000 people at the MCG. I had the whole 95,000 Australian fans singing Hollyoaks. So, <laughs> so, oh, my days. Yeah, I think my, my, um, my job was done there. I managed to annoy them successfully. <laughs> you must have seen uh, some funny pranks for your time with England and Surrey. Do you have a funny story to share with us? Yeah, there's been a lot of pranks. Um, but I think the I think the funniest one, and it might be one of those ones that you have to have been there, but um my good friend Mark Elam, he um we had a guy called Matthew Fleming on the um on the same tour. We were touring Dubai and we were playing against Pakistan and India and West Indies. And he wheeled uh, Matthew Fleming into the pool whilst he was still reading his book. So we thought that was funny. <laughs> but but, but that was always funny, but it's always funny when someone gets someone back. So what uh, Matthew Fleming did, he wasn't one for the obvious revenge. He went and he took Mark Elam's trousers. We only had to wear the trousers, the suit. We were at England suit on the flight over to Dubai and then again on the way back. So this was halfway through the tour. It was probably like a three-week tour. So after about a week, he went to Mark Elam's room. He took his trousers. They still had the belt in it still had coins and notes in the pocket. He took that all out. He sent it away to the, um, the laundry and he asked for them to take the, to take the trousers up six inches. So to- <laughs> <laughs> then, and then he got it back and he put the belt on, he put the money back in the pocket and he left it and it stayed there for two weeks. When we came to leave, it was an early morning flight. So it was about, I think it was a six o'clock in the morning flight. So we went to leave. He pulled his trousers. <laughs> he went to bed. He pulled his trousers and he was looking and he was sharing a room with um, Nick Knight, who's actually taller than Mark Elam. And he said, hang on. He goes, these aren't my trousers. I've got the wrong, I've got the wrong trousers. <laughs> Nick Knight's actually taller than Mark Elam. So he had to go back the whole way back on the plane wearing like knickerbockers. So like short. <laughs> 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 I think that's, that's probably the funniest. I think that's a good comeback. It's a good comeback as well. Um, David Lloyd was England coach at the time. What was he like to play for? And you must have some funny stories from when Bumble was in charge. Yeah, he's a he's a funny guy. Um, he um, it's, it's hard to think now when you see how funny he is on TV, and it's hard to think that he was once the England cricket coach. Um, we were actually a funny story. We were playing against India and we had to win this game to go through to the semifinals of the World Cup. This is back in 1999. And he was trying to be really inspirational. So he was going around the changing room and he was saying to everyone, I love you guys. You guys are unbeatable. You're the best. He was trying to like build us all up. He said, there's not one player from the Indian side that I would swap for any of you guys. I would have you guys over those guys any day of the year. And he kept on saying it. And then Darren Goff said, 
Well, I would. Can we swap Sashin Tendulkar for Adam Holyoke, please? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So Bumble like laughed about that, but it very the team meetings were were very funny. You guys probably don't even know who Sashin Tendulkar is, do you? No. <laughs> Probably, probably one of the, the greatest batsmen, one of the top five greatest batsmen that's ever lived. So he was a much better player than me anyway. <laughs> Here at the Amethyst Academies Trust, we are incredibly ambitious for our schools and our pupils, and we believe that there is no ceiling on what can be achieved by anyone. Working in partnership with Penhall School and Technol Wood School, we are proposing to refurbish the beautiful Penhall Mansion, a Grade 2 star listed building in Wolverhampton, into an exciting and professional specialist vocational college for young people aged 14 to 19 with special educational needs and disabilities. Changing the face of employability for young people with SEND, the college will offer specialist career pathways and in-house vocational learning experiences for students that will be open to the public. Students will be able to develop their skills, knowledge and flourish in confidence across a wide range of audiences. We need to raise £400,000 to refurbish the mansion and provide accessible and stimulated learning and working spaces for students and the community. We are relying on public donations, business relationships and support, no matter how big or small, to make this college a reality for our students. Donate today. Go to www sedgwick.aatrust.co.uk Sedgwick College Discover Bright Futures You then became captain of England's one day side what was it like to be named captain and what sort of captain were you? Um, I was unexpected for a start because I only played five games for England at that stage uh, I wasn't expecting that at all um, so it was a surprise. That's how it was. Um, my style of captaincy by that stage, I'd been captain of Surrey for probably a couple of years. So I'd started to get more comfortable with the job and more confidence. Um, so I was starting to find my own way as captain. Then I was still, I was still, you, I learned the whole way through, and I think I was, I got, I became a better captain as I became older. Um, but I was. Um, I think my style of captaincy on that team was just I just tried to take away the fear of, of failure from everyone. We had a side that wasn't meant to win. Um, we went out there to Dubai. Again, we were playing Pakistan, India, West Indies, so we weren't expected to do very well. And I just said to those guys, just go out and just, and just play hard and just enjoy it. And, you know, we were fortunate to, to win that tournament. Um, a few years later in March 2002, you hear the worst news possible. Your brother Ben sadly died in a car accident. What are your memories of that day? Yeah, that's, I'm, you know, I told you I didn't have a very good memory, but unfortunately that's a day that I'll never forget. Um, it was incredibly, well, it wasn't sad because it was just a shock and I didn't even believe when the words came out of my dad's mouth, I I just couldn't, I couldn't comprehend it. So, um, it was a it was a huge shock, and um, um, it's just something that changed my life forever. I think before that moment, probably uh, I, I that, that was only probably you know, five or six years after I lost my best friend in a car accident as well. So, um, but before that moment when I lost my best friend, the worst thing that had ever happened to me in my life 
was that I'd probably had a couple of bad games of cricket or something like that. So um, it was a period of time where I was very humbled by life and um, and it's changed me a lot. It's changed a lot about me. I, um, I think I used to take a lot for granted. I used to um, get worry about little things. Now I don't tend to worry about those things. I realise that life's about enjoying it and and enjoying the people that you love around you. Um, the weeks after Ben's death must have been so difficult for you and your family. Did you allow yourself time to grieve and how were you during this time? Yeah, I did. I That's one thing I did. Um, it was amazing because when it happened, um, so he, he died at probably, I think it was midnight or just after midnight. And then my first phone call was back to my coach back in England, Keith Medlicott, and I rang him up and I told him what had happened. And um, I was meant to be flying back to England the next day to to join the team. And I remember saying to him, "Oh, look, I might not. I'm not going to get on the flight to come back, but I'll probably come back on Monday." So I was still in shock. Um, and I didn't come back for three months. So sorry, were brilliant at that time. They just let me. Um, they just let me grieve. They let me do what I had to do. My, my daughter was born during that time. I had a lot on my plate. So, um, yeah, so Surrey were amazing and, and I still love Surrey to these days. I think they're the greatest first-class first team in the world and um, I'm just grateful to the time they gave me off to, to grieve. It must have been a difficult decision to return back to cricket. It was. Um, I probably I was, I was actually thinking about not doing it. I was going to retire. Um, I spoke to my dad, who's my best friend and also my mentor, and he said to me, um, "You know, this has ruined one of my sons. Don't let it ruin another one. So go back and you and you represent the family." So I went back and I carried on playing. So it, it was tough, though. I'm not going to lie; it wasn't easy. I mean, I think losing anyone's tough, but it's tough when. Every day I had to look across to where he would sit or I would feel it second slip and he used to feel it gully and I used to throw the ball to him probably 300 times a day when it was going back around the field back to the bowler and then all of a sudden he wasn't there. So it was, yeah, it was it was tough. Um, you have achieved lots of great things in Ben's memory. You set up the bet. Ben Holyoke Fund to raise money for charity. Can you tell us some of the projects you've done in memory of Ben? Well, I've done a few, but there's probably one that stands out. It was called Adam's Journey. It was, um, I said I would do it. And I'm, if you know me, if I say I'm going to do something, I always try and do it. But as soon as I said this, I wish I hadn't because it was so hard. Um, so I, did, I walked a marathon a day for a month. Um, and then we sailed from Brighton across to northern France, and then we rode from the north of France down to Gibraltar on bicycles, and then from Gibraltar we rode across to Africa. So, um, yeah, that's probably the most memorable thing. Um, it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. So, um, yeah, that was good. We were actually um, on the last day we were in the hotel in Gibraltar and we had to catch a taxi down to where we were going to get the rowing boat from. And this Spanish guy, he, the taxi driver said to us, he said to me, oh, what are you doing today? And I said, oh, rowing across to Africa. 
And I thought he'd be surprised, but he just said, oh, okay. And then I went, surprised. He said, no, no, no. He goes, I said, do, heaps of, do a lot of people do that? You know, it sounds like you're not surprised by it at all. He says, no, 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 lots of people do it, but they all die. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about, because that's a lot of the place where a lot of the drugs come from Africa. They try and get the drug Africa across to, to Gibraltar. So I have to be honest, that was a, a journey that I set off with. I was a little bit nervous about that one. So, uh, But we made it. We made it, luckily. You mentioned on your social media in recent years about how you have changed your mindset and how and you are going to live your live your life to the fullest. Why did you feel you needed to change your mindset? Um, again, I think, like I said um, earlier, that first half of that was incredibly sad, uh, and then. I told you I've got young kids and I just realised I wasn't being a good father and I was living my life. I thought if I live another 50 years, I don't want to be living for 50 years being unhappy. So I had to try and change my mind and change my attitude towards things and um, and that was the reason. Um, and also I started reading a lot and then, you know, I read there's a lot of other people. You know, I'm not the only person who's ever lost but people lose people every day. So um, I think I was feeling a little bit too sorry for myself and um, I just decided to be grateful for what I did have, which is I was fortunate to have 24 good years with my brother. Um, that was a blessing. And then I've got three children and, I'm, you know, fortunately I'm still healthy myself. So I decided to look to life through that way instead of constantly every day looking at the fact that I'd lost my brother. Um, you were declared bankrupt in 2011. You really have gone through some tough times in your life, but always seem to bounce back very positively. How did you become bankrupt and how did you manage to move past it? Um, let's say my business sense isn't as good as my, as my cricket captaincy. So, <laughs> um, I was just, I was, un I was unlucky. I mean, I, when I finished cricket, I had to go out some business and, you know, I'd never experienced, I'd been fortunate. Everything that I'd done in business had always been successful. And then in 2010, I think it was, the, um, the, the global financial crash happened and a lot of people in property lost a lot of stuff. So we were caught out with that. And, um, yeah, that was, um, that was how I lost everything. So it was disappointing, but it also it gave me the opportunity to do other stuff because, once before that, I had so much money that I didn't ever have to work ever again. So um, I would have probably sat around and just been lazy and not done anything. Then after that, that's when I decided I had to roll my sleeves up and get back to trying to be successful again. So that's when I um, turned to professional fighting. In 2012, you had your first professional boxing fight and won. What are your memories of that and is, and is it something you always wanted to do? Yeah, I was. I wanted to do it when I was young, but my, my parents, they didn't want me to do it. So um, I think I've told you that my dad's, you know, my mentor, and he's, he advised me to go for cricket. I also wanted to do rugby, but he advised me it would be the best option for me. So I gave it up. But when I got to that stage, I was, you know, I needed, you know, I'd done it and I carried on boxing training all the way through. 
but I um when I needed to earn some money I had to do something so um I was fortunately I was I was probably a talented boxer or a fighter than I was a cricketer so I was lucky that I had that to turn to you also had an MMA fight and that finished in a draw is that something you enjoyed and how does it feel to get punched in the face (laughs) (laughs) um well that's not enjoyable being punched in the face but it's not enjoyable being hit on the body by, or on the head by a cricket ball. This is the risks you take when you when you do these sports. Um, if you do them well, then you don't get hurt. But I think that's the ultimate the ultimate um, sacrifice, or the, you know, that's the penalty, the ultimate penalty for the, for not doing well at the sport. So um, yeah, I, I actually really did enjoy it. It was um, I actually had a few fights. I mean, they're not sure they're all recorded there. But um, it was um, it was a good time in my life. It was certainly I was you know I had to go back and survive because I needed to earn money, and um, so I was having to, I was living day by day, and it was um, I wouldn't say it was comfortable, but it was exciting. Um, before we finish, we would like to play a quick fire game with you. We will ask you some questions, but you have to give wrong answers only. Oh, okay. I'm usually good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready? Remember, wrong answers only. Okay. Favourite food? Uh, Brussels sprouts. Um, Best stadium you have played at? Oh, um, Derby. The stadium in Derbyshire. (laughs) (laughs) Favourite team, mate? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> Nasa Hussein. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about Adam Holyoke is. Oh, um, the best thing about Adam Holyoke. Wow. Um, oh, the best thing about Adam Holyoke is probably the hair on my back, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what is your dream job? Oh, my dream job. Um, Probably being a toilet cleaner. Nice. <laughs> what is the highlight of your career? Oh, the highlight of my career was um, Shane Warne getting me out for a duck at the Oval in front of my whole, in front of my home crowd. <laughs> or, or 95,000 Australians singing Hollyoaks. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite holiday destination? Uh, Derby. The same thing. I can play the game when I'm at Derby. <laughs> Um, why don't you and NASA get on? I just don't like him. Uh, it's okay, but, you know. It's um, he doesn't like me either. Um, we just have a clash of personalities, and that's okay. You know, I think people get um, people get a bit uncomfortable when I say that, but that's okay. We don't like each other. We're respectful to one another. Um, I've got respect for him. He's a very good cricketer and a captain. Um. I just don't like him, and um, and he doesn't like me, and we 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 don't argue because we just avoid one another as much as we can. And um, like I said, there's you can dislike someone but still be respectful. I think. Um, each week on the podcast, we ask our guests to ask a question for another guest on the podcast. However, the person does not know who they are asking the question to. This week, uh, this week's question comes from England fast bowler. Mark Wood, who asked, 
Who is your favourite TV dog? He's my favourite. He, he's, he's asked me this, or is he just, it's a general question? Yeah, he's at- yeah, last week on the podcast, you spoke to Mark Wood, and yeah. we, get, we asked him to ask the question for our next guest. We didn't tell him who the okay. guest was, so it's off to you. And he wants to know, he just asked, who is your favourite TV dog? <laughs> as, as in a dog on the TV. Like yeah, you yeah. Like random. Yeah, well, I think I only know, I think I only know Lassie. So, <laughs> Good one. Do you guys even know who Lassie is? I do. Yeah. yeah well, Two boys trapped in the quarry. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Exactly um, right. Adam, could you do the? Um, could you think of a question that we could ask our next guest, please? Please. However, we are not going to tell you who our next guest is. The question can be anything at all. Oh wow! Um, can we come back to that, or do we have to do that now? We've got to do it now. You're putting me under pressure. What's the, <laughs> ask them what the password to their bank details are. How <laughs> <laughs> <be> funny. <laughs> Yeah. I, I would um, just ask them what their their favorite their motto is for their success. What are what are your future plans? Well, at the moment, I'm I'm doing a I'm doing a lot of cricket coaching and a lot of boxing training, as in training fighters. Um, but I'm kind of been stuck doing that for three or four years. When I say stuck, at the same level, so I wouldn't mind seeing if I can take it to another level and and coach some. Um, train some, you know, fighters to some world titles. And, I mean, I've done some pretty good cricketers, to be fair. I've trained Manus Labashain and um, and um, Usman Khawaja and Joe Burns so I've, and Matt Renshaw. So I've coached four guys who played for Australia and a couple of the guys for England as well. So I'm going all right there and I've trained a couple of fighters, but I, I guess I want to see how far I can go with that. And then also be the best parent that I can be because I've, I've got three beautiful children and and they're all very talented and I want them to be as successful as they can be. I've got a question. Um, did England players ever have like a song for you that they would sing? England fans. England fans. Yeah, they did actually. Um, so my nickname's Smokey um, or Oki or the Smokey. I think the, 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 the fans thought it was Oki. So they used to do the um, the hokey cokey. <laughs> <laughs> so I came to bowl. They do the hokey cokey. Um, yeah, so that, that was that was that was probably it. I think they did have some. The Barmy Army had a song, but I can't remember because it was all it was always being drowned out by those Aussies with their favourite song. <laughs> um, one final yeah, question: um, <laughs> What what would you um, tell your sixteen year old self? So I would probably tell myself what Keith Medlicott said to me when I was about 20, but I wish he'd told me four years earlier. He said to me, do things your listen to everybody, but do things your way because at the end of the day, it's your life and um, you've got to listen and get advice from everybody, but then you've got to work out what works for you. So he said, They'll, you'll get sacked one way or the other. So you may as well get sacked doing it your way. <laughs> so... Uh, and I, I like that advice. I try and pass that on to everybody. I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Adam. We really enjoyed speaking with you, and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to thank uh, to speak with you. Thank you. No problems. Uh, just before I leave, I just want you guys to join me in a in a little song. Okay. Can you guys sing? Yeah. All the eggs are. <laughs> Enjoyed that, that was funny. Oh my god, um that song, um yeah. I think we might have to bleep that out. So Tom, what do you think of that podcast? How do you think it went this time? Well it went really well. Um I enjoyed like talk about like um Adam's life in general and not only from like his teen but to his like uh, adulthood. And um, I also like the fact where he, we went deep into, um, sadly, about his tragic death from his brother yeah. and how he's overcoming it. So I'm really proud that he could do that and um, he's he's carried on going forward. So that's great. And I think for me, I think it was the Hollyoak is a uh, bleep word uh, song that he was singing. <laughs> found that quite funny. Yeah. Um, uh, but he was a really great guest to have on. And it was just his story was very inspiring. So, so uh, Avtar, what did you think of today's podcast? Yeah, man, it's really funny that um, um, Adam's Hollywood is my favorite bit. Is he's that um, Ali's something's bad word to it because um, it's really funny. And then the second bit is interesting about his uh, brother's uh, car accident. Yeah, it is a good one, um, and. Also, again, TWS Sports Podcast, make sure to pass it on to your family and friends, uh, our social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Make sure to subscribe, and thank you very much. Thank you. Make sure to follow our socials, like Harvey said. Cheers. <laughs> subscribe, please. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine.